We got a lot more cords up here this morning than normal because this because half the sound equipment is moved over into the sanctuary already. And so we are making that transition. Anyone here excited about moving inside? Oh man, I was gonna ask for a whoop whoop or something like that, but that was good enough. Uh uh, we, we are looking forward to being out uh, inside the sanctuary next week. It's been, I think I, I think I went back and counted this correctly today, but um, I think it's been, uh, this is our 55th Sunday since the last time we met in the sanctuary. So over a year. And, uh, and I believe this is our 34th outdoor worship service. And so there's been a lot of uh, transitions along the way. Um, but uh, part of what we're going to do this morning is uh, just to take a moment and reflect, because while it's been really hard, I think we can say, and we're not completely out of the woods yet, but this is a transition moment, we can say God has been so faithful. Like, we have been through some times where you're like, we don't know what to do tomorrow, let alone a month from now. And yet God has guided us along every step of the way. You know, we were given a short notice in March of the previous year that we would not, you know, the, the orders came down, shelter at home, shelter in place, and churches were not supposed to congregate, uh, congregate in person. But we have not had a, a Sunday without a worship service in one form or another, online or uh, outside, uh, live stream, whatever it is, pre-recorded. But uh, God has helped us so many times over. And so uh, we're going to take a, a little bit of time this morning to reflect on some things. But before we dig into God's word, uh, let's take a moment and pray. Father God, our hearts are just filled with both a lot of excitement and a lot of humility this morning. Because we just come, uh, and first of all, we want to say thank you for how you have helped us, for how you continue to help us, how you lead us. And uh, God, as we uh, turn to your word now, we just come with anticipation, knowing that you are a God who uh, speaks, who is alive, who uh, wants to uh, bless us as a church and as individuals. And so, God, we just come before you as your children and pray that you would have your way uh, with us today and uh, speak to us. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. With all the excitement uh, about going into the sanctuary, uh, I find that there is a parallel in the book of Nehemiah. Because in Nehemiah, the people, where we're at in the story of Nehemiah, is the people are moving back into the city of Jerusalem. They've been out of uh, the city for a few generations. Uh, commentators say between 140 to 150 years since Babylon came in and uh, destroyed the city and, and took the people captive. So it's been a long time. Obviously, none of these individuals that are moving back were born in the city. It's been uh, a couple generations. And so I imagine that uh, the stories have been passed down from generation to generation. There is excitement. Just as we have excitement to move back into the sanctuary, there is excitement for the people to move back into the, into the city. And uh, so where we're at in the book of Nehemiah, this morning we're in chapter 9. 
And in chapter 9, we see that the walls have been completed and the gates have been hung, which is a very uh, important step because until the city is fortified, the people will not feel safe to move back into the city. They'll be in constant constant fear of danger that their enemies are going to come and attack again. Until the city, until the walls are rebuilt and the city and the gates are hung, uh, the people can't move back in. Now in the text, it gives us some dates, and uh, I'm not going to go through those because none of us know the Hebrew calendar, so it's kind of pointless. My, uh, the point is, because I have to rely on commentators on this, the point is, it took them 52 days to rebuild the walls. 52 days. That doesn't seem like much time to me. I mean, think how long it takes you to remodel your kitchen. They've rebuilt the whole city walls and the hem the gates. 52 days, that just shows you how much hard work they put into this, and it shows you how much God has blessed them. And so now I would imagine they are filled with excitement, filled with joy uh, as they walk the streets. They're finally safe. I can imagine an elderly couple walking the streets at night and just making observations. Oh, look, isn't that nice? Mrs. Jones planted flowers by her front door. Look, uh, Mr. Smith hung the national flag on this house. Isn't that wonderful? They see kids playing in the yard. Oh, man, it feels so good to see kids safe enough to go out and play in their front yard. Hey, kids! And there's, a, there's just a, a joy in the air. There's excitement that they can, uh, that they can uh, be in the city and they can be safe. And I hope that we have similar emotions when we move into the sanctuary next week. I hope there's a joy in the air and excitement that there's a sense of satisfaction. Man, we've been through the hardest of hard, of hard times, and God has been faithful to bring us through. I kind of already went through what's next in my notes, but I will make one more observation. I remember, um, you know, uh, the first Sunday that uh, we gathered for outdoor worship, I think was our hottest Sunday. I mean, it was blazing hot. Remember that? For those of you who are here, I had sweat dripping down. In fact, I have sweat marks in 1 Corinthians 11 because that is the passage I preach on uh, that I use every Sunday for Communion Sunday. And so I know it was the first Sunday of the month because I've got the, uh, the, the drip marks to, uh, to commemorate it. And, uh, but there is joy and satisfaction as the people gather together. Nehemiah 9 verse 1 says, On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. Those Israelites, those of Israelite descent, had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. Now, when I read those verses, to be honest, that's not what I expected. I expected uh, the elderly couple making observations about Mrs. Jones's flowers and Mr. Smith's, Mr. Smith's flag. But what we have here is uh, a sense of it almost looks like a picture of mourning. They're putting on sackcloth. They're putting dust on their heads. They've called a period of fasting. 
And the Israelites, while they don't get it right a lot of the time, I think that they're doing something very valuable and very strategic here. Before they pull out the party hats, they pull out the sackcloth. Before they cover their heads with confetti, they cover their uh, heads with dust because they want to lay a spiritual foundation. It says that they confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors. Now that uh, now for us to, if we were to if we were to say well, I'm not going to confess the sins of my ancestors, they did those sins. What they're really what they're doing what they're doing here is they're laying a spiritual foundation and they're saying uh, our ancestors got us in trouble because uh, they disobeyed the Lord. We're not going down the same path. We're going to decide here and now that we're going to live in a different way that our lives are going to be dedicated to the Lord. Really what they are doing is they are repenting. A definition of repentance is, is more than just saying, I'm sorry. I, I feel bad I did it. I'm sorry. I, I wish I wouldn't have hurt your feelings or whatever. Repentance is not only saying you're, you're sorry. It's making a determination not to do it again. And this is what we see the Israelites doing here. They're, uh, they're coming together and saying, this was the path that our forefathers took. We're not going down the same path. We're repenting. We're changing our ways. I like the uh, definition of repentance. Repentance is coming to your senses. In other words, you finally see things the way they really are. You come, you come to a, uh, an understanding of reality. And they might be able to look at the reality around them and say, you know, let's blame the Babylonians. They were the ones that uh, uh, came and captured our people and put us into captivity. Let's blame our great, great, great grandparents. But no, they come with humility and say, God, if it is not for you, we know we will go down the same path again. We're not going down that path. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a moment of repentance, a moment of humility. In fact, I think there's something very important for us here this morning. That before we move into the sanctuary, before we get uh, past uh, these moments too quickly, we might want to step back and say, what is God trying to teach us? You see, in the midst, uh, in, when the pandemic first uh, happened, for a lot of us, we were just thrown off balance. Everything we knew, all our regular patterns the foundation was knocked out from under us. Our kids were taken out of our good schools. We couldn't go to our jobs. In fact, some of us were unsure if our, if our work would continue. Uh, all the restaurants we liked going out to eat and all the entertainment that we were inv involved with and running from one activity to the next, all of it came to a sudden uh, halt. And for many of us, it was quite jarring. And I think this morning it would be wise to look at that, uh, to look at all of what happened and say, could God be trying to say, make sure that your lives are not built on anything else except for Jesus Christ? Because if we uh, go back too quickly to life as it was, we could forget that that though, this, though we blame this on coronavirus, though we blame this on whoever we want to blame this on, it has a spiritual foundation because God could be using this to say, hey, you need to wake up. That uh, we're not going to follow the 
patterns, uh, the old patterns of life any longer. We're not going to follow the pattern of our ancestors, to put it in Nehemiah 9 terms. We're going to go a new path where God is the center of our lives. Today is a day of repentance. Before we celebrate and get too high, let's make sure we humble ourselves and hear what the Lord might have for us. The Greek word for repentance is metanoia which translated literally means to change your mind. To repent means to change your thinking, how you look at the world around you and how you think about it. It is to have a different, to act different, to react different, to talk different, to have different attitudes, because we have a different understanding of the world. And so Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, think about things differently. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, it's good to be in God's will. God's will is good, it's pleasing, it's perfect. His will is the best plan for your life. His will is the best plan for our church. And if we are to be in God's good, perfect, and pleasing will, it means that we will be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That we'll begin to see this world through a God-centered lens and uh, see that God is in everything, that it is ultimately God who is faithful. So let me share a silly little illustration with you. Uh, Let's say it's Friday morning. And uh, you're on your way to work. You always like to get to work a few minutes early, uh, 10 minutes early, get everything set up. You're on your way to work, and you think, oh, my word, today is my co-worker Sally's birthday. Uh, uh, I'm going to stop and get donuts on my way because Sally loves donuts. We got a 9 o'clock uh, meeting in the office, and she'll be thrilled that, we get, that I brought in donuts. And so you quickly pull into the donut shop, and, you, and you're happy to see there's only one person in front of you in the line and uh and so you think okay yeah 10 minutes this is no problem i'll get these donuts and be off to work uh in no uh no problem but the person in front of you is taking forever and he's asking like seems like really silly questions like he's he's standing there before all the donuts and then he says do you have any donuts with sprinkles i'm thinking yes he has all kinds of donuts with sprinkles they're all right there and then, he's, and then he, uh, he's, he asks another question. Do you have any cream-filled donuts? Read the signs. It says cream-filled donuts. And uh, the worker is back there, and he's slowly filling up his box of donuts. But, it, but you are getting more and more irritated because this guy is taking longer and longer time until finally he fills his box and he turns to pay, and you recognize that he has a white cane with a red tip. And you see that he's visually impaired. And all of a sudden, your frustration and your, and your anger kind of washes away. And now you're filled with compassion. You see, your circumstances haven't changed. You're still going to be late to work, and it's still Sally's birthday. And uh, you still got to make a presentation at the meeting when you get to work. Your circumstances hasn't, haven't changed, but your whole perspective has changed. You see, we've been through this difficult time where we look around and we're like, why is all this happening? 
Why can't we just get through this? We get impatient. We're like, I want to get back to normal. And we're like, hang on a second. Let's just make sure our perspective is correct. Let's make sure that we see what God has done and, and uh, see that he has been at work so that we don't rush into things too differently because circumstances will get back to normal to a certain degree eventually. But will our, will our perspective around what is going on get back to normal? I hope not. I hope that we will see things in a different way. And so how can we make sure that we're grounded in this? Because it'd be easy. The world wants to get back to normal as quick as possible. So we got to be intentional about being grounded in God and his word. Look at verse 3, Nehemiah 9, 3. They stood where they were and... Whoa. Uh, they, they stood... Okay, this is Nehemiah 9, 3. They stood where they were and they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of a day. And they spent another quarter in confession and in worshiping the Lord their God. So how are they going to be grounded to make sure that they uh, see things uh, differently? Three things. The word of God, the confession of their sins, and the worship of God. Can you imagine for a quarter of a day, if I do my math right, 24 divided by 4 is 6 hours. They were reading God's word for 6 hours, confessing their sin uh, and worshiping God for 6 hours. Could you do that? 6 hours? Uh, my point is, we got to be serious about this. Got to look at God's word, otherwise we're going to fall back in the same traps again, getting super busy and putting God on the back burner. And so may we ground ourselves in God's word. May we uh, seek to change our thinking through confession and the worship of God. And what happens then is the people are moved to pray. And that's what we have in the rest of Nehemiah 9. In Nehemiah 9, 5 through 37, is a prayer of repentance. It's a prayer of repentance. In fact, this is the longest recorded prayer in all of the Bible. And, uh, and so obviously we're not going to take the time to read it all, though I wish we could. It's, it's fantastic. So I'm going to hit the high points. I see four parts of this prayer of repentance. And what we're going to do before we close the service today is we're going to pray a prayer of repentance modeled off of the prayer in Nehemiah 9, 5 through 37. The first part of the prayer is they praise God. They look up and they recognize who God is. In, in the second part of verse 5, it says, they, they pray, Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all bl blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all the starry hosts, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. In other words, the Israelites are praising God for who he is. They recognize that he is the creator. They recognize that he sustains the heavens and the earth. And they recognize that uh, God alone is the Lord. And so they, they praise God as the one that gives life. And we ought to take time to praise God for how he has shown himself to us. In fact, in a moment, I'm going to ask Susan Washington to come and to pray a prayer of praise for us. One other observation about the uh, prayer here, the, the praise part of the prayer, is 
that it says, Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. In other words, they said, God, help us to value you more than the blessings that you give us. And sometimes I think we fall into that trap. We get so in love with all the gifts of God that we forget the giver. Now, the gifts of God are wonderful, but what if all the gifts are suddenly taken away, like we experienced in part 15 months ago? Do we still love the giver more than anything? May God be, uh, may God be glorified. When it says your glorious name, it speaks of his character. And so Susan will come and lead us in a prayer of praise. The second thing they do is they reflect. They look back. So there's a look up, and now there's a look back. And this is the longest part of the prayer. It covers verses 7 through 31. And so I won't read it all, but they start with their forefather Abraham. Verse 7, You are the Lord God who chose Abraham and brought him out of the Ur of Chaldeans and named him Abraham. And then they go on to remember their time in Egypt as slaves. Verse 9, you saw the suffering of our ancestors in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea, and they praise, and they reflect upon the Exodus. But it's not all great, uh, great stories of victory and, and, uh, and God's blessing. They recognize the difficult times as well. Verse 16, it says, But they, our ancestors, became uh, arrogant and stiff-necked, and they did not obey your commands. You see, we ought to take a time to reflect upon both the good times and the bad times, to recognize that uh, while we have not always been faithful, God has been faithful. I love the way 2 Timothy 2 says it. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. And now here's my favorite part. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. You see, God is faithful to us because that's who he is. That's his character. That's his nature. And God has blessed us and helped us, and, 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 it all, and, and we haven't always gone through this perfectly. But God has been there. I'm going to ask Eric Aguero in a little while to come and pray the prayer of reflection. Eric has gone through some difficult stuff during the pandemic. His father died. His grandmother died, who he considered his best friend. Uh, you know, he works for UPS. He was, he was supposed to be transitioning into becoming a driver right before the pandemic started. And all that got put on hold. It's still on hold. He's planning a wedding. Uh, during this time of confusion. And so I know Eric has been through some difficult things, but I meet with Eric every week, and Eric would be able to say, God is good, and God is faithful. And so Eric will come and lead us in our prayer of reflection. The third part of the prayer is a prayer of petition. So they've looked up, they've looked back, and now they look around. A prayer of petition is what we're currently going through. And so verse 32 says, Now... Now, the, the, it grounds it in the present. Now, therefore, our God, the great God, mighty and awesome, who keeps his covenant of love, do not let this hardship seem trifling in your eyes, the hardship that has come on us, on our kings and our leaders, on our priests and their prophets, on our ancestors and all, all your people from the days of the kings of Assyria until today. 
And so this is a prayer of petition for what we're going on right now. He says, look around. Uh, our kings, our leaders, our, it's, it's difficult on all of us. And so they turn to God and ask for his help. Chuck's going to come and offer us a prayer of petition. It's a prayer that God would help us to make this next transition. But more than just that, it would go smoothly, that God would help us to fill, fulfill the mission and the, and the vision that he has given us. As a church, we have a mission statement to spread a passion for God so that he is above all else in our lives, church, and, and community. And pray that God would help us to do that, to spread a passion for him so that God is above all else. Our vision statement is opening our doors wide so that many may enter through the narrow gates. May God help us to reach people, reach the lost who need to know Jesus. And then the final part of the prayer is a prayer of commitment. It's a look forward, and it's found in verse 38. In all this, in view of all of this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are affixing, are, are affixing their seals to it. And in other words, we promise we're going to make a commitment. We're going forward, and we're not looking back. We're going to follow the Lord. Yesterday, this courtyard looks very different than it does right now. Yesterday, it had white tables and, uh, and candles. Kylie and Stephen got married here yesterday, and uh, it was a wonderful ceremony. And the best part of any wedding is surely the vows, right? Uh, maybe the kiss at the end, but... Uh, uh, or, or maybe the last night it was the tacos. It was, uh, uh, but the vows are the most important part because the vows are the commitment. And, when you t and anyone who's married, when you take those wedding vows, you know you haven't been perfect. There's been times where through sickness and health and good times and bad, you haven't loved your wife or your husband perfectly, but the commitment is there. And we're not going to be perfect, but we want to make a commitment to the Lord that God would strengthen us to help us do what he uh, is calling us to do. When we move into the sanctuary, like we call it a sanctuary. A sanctuary means a set-aside place. It's a sacred place. And we've set it aside for the worship of God, for the preaching of his word, for the fellowship and, and love among our church members, for the spread of the gospel. As we say, opening our doors wide so many may come through the narrow gates of knowing Jesus Christ. And uh, so these are the things that we're committing ourselves to. And so Julie's going to come and pray a prayer of commitment that God would help us to be faithful to worship him, to, to his word, to the love and fellowship of, of his people and to reaching others with the gospel. So let me invite our four prayers up now. Uh, Susan's going to pray our prayer of uh, praise. Eric, our prayer of reflection, Chuck, our prayer of petition, and Julie, our prayer of uh, commitment. And uh, as they come forward, this is an important step for us. Like, we want to be faithful to uh, God. We, before we move into the sanctuary, we want to kind of follow the pattern of the Israelites and say, God, we're not going to fall back into whatever it was before. We want to learn the lessons that you have given us. We want to uh, put you at the center of our lives. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. Let's uh, 
Uh, in fact, in Nehemiah 9, uh, Susan pointed this out to me this morning. In Nehemiah 9, it says all the people gathered to pray, or all the people stood to pray, I should say. So let's all stand as we uh, commit this prayer to the Lord. Dear Father, blessed be your glorious name. And may it be exalted above all blessing and praise, for you alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host, the earth and all that's in it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. You have been with us here at West Covina, Christian Church, and we worship you. You give us life. You give us breath. You give us love and forgiveness. You have been so faithful to us, Lord, and we worship you. You alone are the Lord. You are holy. We humble ourselves before you, God. Please take a moment silently to praise God for all he has done for you individually. And if you need to confess and repent, this is a great time for that. We thank you, Father God, for all you are and for all that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Right now, as we pray for a reflection of looking back on this past um, 15 months, um, Lord, I just uh, just want to pray right now. and Thank you for keeping us safe. Thank you for being with us as a great many of us have faced many different struggles, trials, and hardships that we would have never imagined or predicted. Um, Lord, we know you're faithful. We know you're uh, loving. We know you, you give us what we need when we need it. Lord, I just thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Um, Without you, I would not be where I am right now. Um, none of us would, and that's because of what you've done for us, um, sending your son to die for us. But Lord, I just thank you for delivering us through this pandemic, keeping us safe, providing, trusting in you when it seems we don't even know where, where, where we're gonna be. <laughs> but Lord, you provide, you're faithful, you're loving, you're gracious, Lord. And Lord, I pray for those that might have gone through a lot, might be still struggling, trying to grapple with their spirituality and, and, and knowing who you are. And Lord, I just I want to pray for those individuals. I want to pray for those that it seems like there's no end in sight, but there is, and that is where you are. You're with us now. You're with us tomorrow. You're with us forever, Lord. And I just ask that you lead us through this uh, uh, the pandemic, lead us through anything we're facing right now, Lord. Just take a moment to, to 
just uh, give that to the Lord, trust in Him, and yeah, just we surrender anything and everything on our hearts, our mind, our souls to you, Lord. We love you, and we praise you, and we thank you, and in your name, amen. Uh, Father God, we've been going through hard times. We're still going through hard times, and we don't see an end, but we know that you are faithful. You're going to be there with us every step of the way, all that we are going through today and tomorrow and for the rest of our lives until you bring us home. As we prepare to return to indoor services, we pray you will prepare our hearts. We need you, Father. We need your guidance as we seek to do your will and reach out to the community around us. Please help us to spread our passion for showing others that you are above all else in our lives, in our church, and in our community. We have made plans for reaching those in need, but we need your spirit to lead us. Lord God, help us to bring honor and glory to you in all that we say and do. Amen. Father, Lord God, God, we ask that your Holy Spirit just speaks upon our heart right now, Lord God. God, where we were able to commit to you, Lord God, and know that, God, you are the ultimate God who loves us, Lord. And, and God, we, we want to worship you. We, we want to um, be faithful to you, Lord God. And um, God, knowing that, yes, what everybody else has said, um, we don't know what's, what the future holds for us, but you do, Lord God. And so we commit to you. We come before you, Lord, and we ask that you just um, lead us your way, Lord God, that um, we be faithful to you. Um, Lord, that you just put upon our hearts um, just to... Um, to um, call us, um, Lord, and that we just be open and willing to to listen to you, Lord, um, wherever that may be or whatever that may look like, Lord God. And um, God, we just ask that um, we just be people that love, Lord God, that we love um, all those around us, Lord, um, that we reach out to those that are in need, Lord. Um, God, I just ask that at this moment that you just place um, at least one person on our hearts where we know that we can reach out to them, Lord, where they may be in need. They may need someone um, to either call them or just to talk to them or text them, Lord God. Um, God, I just ask that, yeah, you just put it on our hearts, Lord, um, to really um, love each other um, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, God, that um, yeah, that we just are able to share your love with others, Lord. And so, God, I just, I just pray um, that we just, like we were singing earlier, that we just be a generation that seeks your face, Lord. Um, God, so we thank you so much for all that you have done, and we are, we are just so grateful. Um, and excited to be able to go back into the sanctuary, Lord. But we we know um, that God, you you you've done this for a reason. And again, what Pastor Corey said, Lord, that we um, just be reminded of all the the lessons you've been teaching us through this time, um, God. That we don't forget to put you first, Lord. Um, even though that um, things may be a little bit more busy, Lord God. That again, we just don't forget that. God, you are you are the number one in our lives, Lord. Um, God, and so I thank you so, so much for um, this time that we can come before you, Lord, this time that we can um, 
be worshiping outdoors in this beautiful weather and this time of just rejoicing and being excited and, and, and praising and thanking you um, as we move forward, um, as we go back into the sanctuary. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 God, I just echo all those prayers and thank you that you have been so good to us, that you've loved us and uh, poured your grace and mercy out upon us. God, when we have been unfaithful, you have been faithful. And so, God, we all together, just with our hearts united, come before you and we bow our knee, and uh, the knee of our hearts, and we pray that we would uh, commit ourselves to live for you alone from this day going forward. We thank you that you have been faithful to us. We thank you that you have uh, helped us every step along the way. We thank you for the example of the Israelites who have motivated us this morning from Nehemiah 9 to come before you with confession before we come before you with celebration. And God, we pray that you would help us to stay true to our commitments, that we would honor you and that we would fulfill the mission that you've given us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.